This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Good morning. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Richard Kunst. I'm here with Cindy Jennings coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. We are on the uh, St. James campus of Stella Maris Academy uh, live, Real Presence Live. So we're halfway done. We're halfway done, yes. We're halfway done. And, and, and like I was saying during the break, it's like, for those of you that are listening, it's like, for some reason, as we approach a break, I always get tongue-tied, and I kind of like mess up a little bit, and I don't know, it may be a way of keeping me humble. It mm-hmm. always seems like right before the break. Only today, though, I've only noticed Oh, really? It. Oh, yeah. well, thanks. So I was doing great before that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Well, um, we do have, I would say, a very good friend of mine. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'd call him a very good friend. I'd say... I'd say, yes, he's a very good friend. Father Joe Serva is on the air with us. Father Joe, are you there? I am. Good morning, Rich. How's it, oh, that's Father Rich to you. Uh, nice. Well, if you're you a very good play. friend. <laughs> <laughs> you two play well together. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, um, yes. Okay. So, just for the sake of being on the air. So, Father Serva, have you ever been on Real Presence Live before? I have not. This is the first time. Really? So, um, uh, well, good. This will be a good experience for you, a new experience for you, and maybe, a, maybe the beginning of many other um, appearances on Real Presence Live. Would you be up Sometimes for that? Sometimes it's possible to teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see whether or not it is possible. <laughs> Next time he needs to be here. Well, yeah, it's always better to have um, guests in, uh, in studio, but uh, it's okay. I think we'll do just I'm, fine. I'm working on bilocating yet, but Padre Pio hasn't taught me how to do that. Well, you have to. Well, here's the first thing, uh, Father Joe. You have to get holy. Oh. Okay. So as soon as you start, that's the first step. As soon as you start getting holy, then uh, then maybe the bilocating thing can. Because I'm, you know, I'm I'm in three places at one time right now. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm in Rome, and I'm here, and I'm in Bethlehem right now. That's really impressive. That's trilocating. <laughs> that is trilocating exactly. That's better than that's better than Saint Padre. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just making that up, too, so uh, okay. I, I kind of wish I could. But anyhow, uh, Father Serba, welcome to um, uh, Real Presence Live. First off, just tell us just briefly a little, uh, little bit about yourself for the listeners well, who have uh, never heard you. All right. I'm pastor at St. Patrick's in Hinckley, Minnesota, and St. Luke's in Sandstone, Minnesota. And I've been a priest for about 33 years uh, for the Diocese of Duluth and served in a number of parishes in the diocese. Uh, it's uh, my home. Uh, Beautiful area in northeastern Minnesota. Uh, lots of great people here. Uh, I grew up in a family uh, of uh, four siblings. Uh, Mom and Dad lived down in the, the cities. Dad was an electrician. Mom was a homemaker. I'm the oldest in the family, which means, of course, I'm the wisest, uh, the kindest, uh, the most compassionate, <laughs> the, uh, the most humble. And all e- everybody says that about you. Every- we all know that. Uh-huh. But here's yeah. so here okay speaking of humility that so it's, so here's my thing it's like you've been a priest you've been a priest as long as Jesus was on earth do you think you've accomplished as much No certainly not not oh. even a bit <laughs> But but uh but at the same time isn't that weird 33 years as a priest that's like the whole lifetime of our of of our lord and so it's like I mean do you ever think well, where's it all gone or I don't know what what goes through your mind when you think that you've been a priest for that length of time you know, that's a good question. I, I've been reflecting on it a little bit more uh, this past year, and it really is remarkable how fast time flies and uh, how each day we approach a little bit closer eternity. 
And so we really are on this journey where we're walking on this road that leads ultimately to eternal life and to heaven. And I love that phrase. We oftentimes use it at a burial. Uh, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait to save the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're in this time of waiting. Uh, Advent is a time of waiting, of course, and looking forward, anticipating the, the coming of the Lord. But really, that's what it's all about. And, and you asked about how long. I mean, this the time goes by so quickly, and all of a sudden... Uh, you turn around and where's it gone? And and you're close to the end of your journey. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, you know. I was I had uh, dinner with some of the sisters here in town, um, uh, the handmaids, a couple weeks ago, and I said to them, because you know I'm by far the oldest one at the dinner table, and I said, you know what? The vast majority of my life, I've been young. It's yeah. only like in the last, you know, I don't know, decade where I haven't been young. All of a sudden, I've always kind of thought of myself as a young person, but I'm not that anymore. Well, and it's all relative, but. But speak, you I've know, had speak, the same experience, but I'm not. I don't consider myself old. Actually, I'm 65. But I, I agree with you. It seems like, at least in my mind, I'm still young. And right. and like you say, the time goes by, and all of a sudden, you're at a different point than you were 30 or 40 years ago. You're that old. How many How many priests in the diocese of Duluth? How many? Let me know. How many pastors in the diocese of Duluth? Active pastors are older than you. I believe two. Okay. So it's We've got a lot of young priests in our we, diocese, we, too, though. So, we and do. that's a great blessing the Lord has, has gifted us with that. Um, it is. Very young clergy. And so I'm on the top end of it right now. Uh, right. The most I'm up there, too. I'm, just, yeah. I'm quite a bit younger than you, but I think that there's only like four or five that might be older than me that are active pastors because mm-hmm. of our young presbyterate. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. speaking in regards to, like, Speaking in regards to like time going by so fast, at least for me, I mean, you're in a whole different boat with this. Is that you know today's the one year anniversary of the death of our bishop, Bishop Serba, uh, mm-hmm. your brother, and it, you right. know I, it's it, in some ways it's for me it's it's hard to believe it's been a year. I can't. I mean, it just seems like as you say, time goes by so fast. I want to back up uh, a little bit before talking about um, uh, Bishop Serba's death. I want to just talk a little bit about you know when he first became our bishop and. You know, I mean, there's not too many places in the country that have a priest and then their brother becoming a bishop in that diocese. Maybe uh, speak a little bit about how you found out about it, how it all played out at the very beginning. And then maybe after that, what was it like for those 10 years to have your baby brother being your your bishop? Well, uh, first of all, it was a surprise to me, a complete shock that he would uh, be our bishop and we were at the clergy conference that we have every year. Our diocese has a gathering where all the priests get together for four days. And so we were at this clergy conference, and uh, I uh, usually like to say my prayers earlier in the morning. And so my next-door neighbor uh, in the uh, building that we were at knocked on the door, Father Tony Robleski, and he said, Congratulations. And, of course, the word had already gotten around that uh, my brother had been appointed the new bishop of Duluth. And I said, for what? And he said, well, your brother was just named Bishop of Duluth. And I said something like, "Mm, no, I don't think so. And then he had to take me over to his computer, so he was already looking at the news early in the morning, and looked on the Vatican website, and there, of course, it was, the announcement that uh, Paul David Servet had been named uh, the ninth bishop of Duluth, Minnesota. So... That's how I found out, and Father Robleski uh, always relishes in telling that story. Uh, he was the first one to let me know that, that uh, my brother had been named the bishop. 
Yeah, so he, he did a good job at uh, concealing it. He's supposed to conceal it. You're not supposed to tell anybody. I remember it, that just kind of reminds you me a little bit of a... the bishop concealed the bishop. it, yes. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, uh, the bishop, uh, I, I remember when he was the new bishop of Duluth, I had I was the vocation director, and I was having a conversation with Father Bill Bear, who was the rector of St. John Vianney Seminary at the time. And, and he said to me, he said, you know, you never want to play cards with, Father, with Bishop Serba because his poker hand is, is uh, his poker face is about as good as it gets. And so mm-hmm. I think he was really, really good at, uh, at as he ought to have been, uh, keeping that sort of things, you know, secret. And then even from his his family, I'm sure he would have loved to have uh, seen your response when when that was found out. So okay. I'm sure he would have, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, did did anybody else? Your mom didn't even know, right? No one knew. No, he he had driven up to the clergy uh, conference that day, and so he was in route, and he had started calling family members and of course he couldn't get a hold of me because oftentimes they don't uh answer my phone or respond to text messages or anything of that sort so uh he didn't get a hold of me and i think uh he may he didn't actually get a hold of my brother john or my sister kathy that morning either so it trickled out because we were all doing other things weren't available at the phone at the time right so okay so okay so what was it like i mean you had 10 years I mean, maybe it was mm-hmm. a little bit different. At first, it had to have been, it had to have been even most awkward. Why don't you just well, walk through with the listeners? I don't know that your... I would call it awkward. I, you know, obviously there's a there's a pride that that goes with that, and uh, a joy in in seeing uh, someone uh, that you care about and and is important in your life, especially as brother priest, of course. You know, to to see that uh, someone has uh, been judged. Uh, competent enough to serve as a bishop uh there's a there's a certain joy in in that um what what happened of course was uh something that in some ways could be awkward i don't think it ever was for us however because from the start uh we both knew our places in a way uh you know he is the bishop of the the diocese was the shepherd of the chief pastor of all of the people in the diocese and certainly all the priests too and so uh the discussion we had at the beginning we found out later on i think was uh, we were in a unique position and when i say unique of all the dioceses in the world uh, i think we were in a unique position because it was the only case where a bishop uh brother was serving with a priest brother in the same diocese there are a lot of cases uh well not a lot but there are a number of cases where you know there are more than one priest in the family and one becomes a bishop but he's almost invariably appointed to some diocese where that his brother priest is not serving. So that was a very unique case in, in our situation. And there's a funny story that Bishop Paul told, too, because he said when the Apostolic Nuncio had called him and said that the Holy Father is uh, going to name you the new Bishop of Duluth, uh, he said, don't you mean my brother? <laughs> I remember. Yeah, well, and, okay, I thought you were going to say some and, other story. Yeah, and so, uh, because, you know, he was, and, and so the Nuncio's response was, we are aware that he is there. Yeah, <laughs> and you and Which, you played at the fu- at the funeral. You you uh, that was a great line and how you delivered it. Go ahead. Yeah, and then I, I I said and I'm still wondering what he meant by that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did they mean? <laughs> they knew that you were aware. <laughs> the Holy See is aware that you are in Duluth. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would have made me sleepless a little bit as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyhow, uh, what what we both more or less agreed to from the start was that um, I tried to back away. In fact, I did back away from a lot of diocesan activities and 
basically minded my business in the parish, and I wanted to stay out of his way as much as possible so that he could, you know, function freely as a bishop and and uh, that the other priests in the diocese especially wouldn't see me as someone who was maybe uh, counseling the bishop or talking about people behind their backs, if you will. So that was the, perhaps the, the awkward part of the thing to begin with, but I think after, oh, a few months, maybe a year or so, pretty much everybody realized that, that I was not in the picture, and, and oftentimes we would talk, uh, as we did as brothers, and continue to do that, but we didn't talk about diocesan business and diocesan affairs. We talked about other things that were of interest to us, our family and uh, mm-hmm. politics or uh, whatever else uh, was in the news, something like that. Uh, sometimes about the church in general, but not about diocesan business. So the people that were uh, aware of that, of course, would have been the vicar general and the chancellor and other people that worked in the diocese, people in the Presbyterian Council. And so I was really not in that loop, and I chose not to be and didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. We're, talking to, we're talking to Father Joe Server. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll continue this conversation right after this break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this oh, is fine. Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio, with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to uh, receive your again, support I can't quite hear you the This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is Father Richard Kunst, and I am here with Cindy Jennings, and we have been talking for the first 15 minutes of this hour to Father, well, for the whole hour, we're going to be talking to Father Joe Serba, who is a priest of the Diocese of Duluth. He's a um, a pastor right down there on I-35, Hinkley, and what's your other one, Father Joe? Sandstone. Sandstone. Oh, St. Luke's and Sandstone. Okay, so we've been talking now. Today, uh, December 1st, it was a, a year ago today that um, uh, our uh, beloved Bishop of Duluth uh, died unexpectedly, and we're talking to his brother, who is a priest in the, the Diocese of Duluth, Father Joe Serba. It's his first time on Real Presence um, uh, Live, and so it's great to have him. And, and we've been talking just a little bit of what was life like uh, having uh, uh, your younger brother be your bishop. And, and you know, Father Joe, for, I mean, all the priests that uh, in the Diocese of Duluth that have been around for a while, know that Father Joe is a bit of a lightning rod at our clergy conferences, and in a good way. It's a positive way. It's like, you know, he says what others are thinking, and, and he does it always in a charitable way. And and uh, um, uh, it was always entertaining to, to watch Father Serba in the clergy conferences. And, uh, and 
you know, Father Joe, so when, you're, when your uh, brother became our bishop, you kind of went into hibernation for a little while. Mm. I mean, you weren't the lightning rod. You weren't the lightning <laughs> rod as much. Well, again, you know, as I alluded to before the, on the break, it, it's, uh, it was a different experience for, for me because obviously there's very few, there's really no situations that we found, uh, as my brother and I looked into it a bit, where um, your brother was the bishop of the diocese and you were serving in the diocese as a parish priest. And so that, as I say, was was my decision and, and his as well, that, that we would try to keep some kind of distance so that he would be free, he would have a free hand to run the diocese without any kind of interference for myself. Once in a while, I would mention to him certain things that, that I would call his attention to if he wasn't aware of it. Uh, for example, when he first started uh, as bishop, I reminded him, I said, you know, the Diocese of Duluth is a huge geographic area, and the city of Duluth is only one-fourth of the diocese. And so I wanted him to be aware that there are all kinds of other places outside of the city of Duluth, the sea city, uh, that uh, are just as important as the city of Duluth. And so we have people from International Falls way up on the Canadian border over to Brainerd uh, and up on the range, Hibbing and Virginia, those big cities up there, Chisholm and so on, and all the way down to Pine City in Minnesota and Pine County. So uh, there was a huge geographic area, and it's important that uh, he, I thought it was important that he realized right from the get-go that, that this is not just one little town. And or medium-sized town, I should say. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought was really remarkable, I still remember this from the clergy conference, was when he was introduced to the presbyterate that uh, he made a statement. He said, I don't want to be a desk bishop. And I think that he was successful in that because he really got out into the diocese and uh, was at many different parishes, over the, all of the parishes over the course of his tenure as bishop uh, on multiple occasions. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make one other statement uh, in regards to these clergy conferences. That Joe, you all, you always used to sit alongside of me in the back of the oh <laughs> in the back row until your brother came. Well, I I it wasn't because I was avoiding you afterwards. It oh, was okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Father so. Serba. Yeah. I was wondering, I, I think a lot of you, um, of the listeners would probably like to know, too, like, what age did you both notice um, that you were grounded in this holiness for becoming a priest? Well, not, we're not talking about Father Joe. He never was grounded in holiness. We're, <laughs> we're talking about uh, Bishop Serba. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a, it's an interesting thing. I mean, for my, I can't speak for my, my brother, but uh, for myself... Um, you know, I was in the eighth grade, I think, and there was a priest that came and talked to us about vocations. I went to Catholic school. And uh, I thought about it then, but then it went back on the back burner. I went to college, and uh, high school and college. And, and it was in college, again, I started thinking about it for myself. And uh, that's a long story. Uh, but in any event, uh, after uh, some years in college, I decided to pursue the priesthood, and I studied philosophy and, and then was uh, ordained after period of time and, and uh, ordained for the Diocese of Duluth by Bishop Robert Brom in 1987. And so I was actually <clears throat> ordained a year later than my brother, uh, but he, he had started right out of uh, college and went right into the seminary. And so he went straight through, whereas my path was a little more crooked. Oh. Huh. Not in the dishonest sense, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not in the straight line, if you will. Hmm. 
Can you tell us a little bit, maybe some stories about him? Even maybe just talk about that morning or the last time you talked to him or, you know, just some good stories. Well, do you, or do you have your... a favorite story? You know, I mean, is there anything that you mean the listeners... a, when he was a bishop or when he was before that even? Either, either one. Either. either. Yeah. Well, you know, he was, he was always a, uh, a kind person, a very kind person. Um, I would say, I'm sure this isn't exactly true, but for the most part, I would say he had no enemies. Uh, even times when he had to deal with people in a in, in a way to rebuke sometimes people in some way, it was always in a gentle way. And so, uh, for the most part, I think people who uh, are honest uh, could say that there's really no no one that that could be angry with him or upset with him uh, because he would always be doing what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, he's very competitive. Uh, when he was younger, he played uh, tennis and he played handball. Uh, and I would say he was not aggressive, but he was very consistent. And so uh, that was kind of how he carried his life, carried himself in life too, that that he was always there doing what he was supposed to be doing, but not in an aggressive way. You couldn't beat him in these games, by the way, because he would always be returning your volley, your serve, and no matter what you did, and finally you would get to the point where you'd say, I'm going to shoot this thing right past him, and, and that's when you'd miss, and then he would get the point. So <laughs> <laughs> so we'd have long, long volleys, but eventually it was he would, you would make a forced error, and so he usually won. Huh, that's so, one story I can tell you. Uh, so, so he was competitive. I guess that's a side I didn't competitive, see. Yeah. Yep. Competitive, you know, first, but not not aggressive. The first time I met him was oh, when we we belonged to the same group, the International Federation of Priests. Remember that group? Mm-hmm. Yep. Does that group even exist anymore? No, it's it's folded now. But I think it's folded because it's it's time. Uh, it's the necessity has also yeah. passed. Yeah. Right. Right. The times right. have changed. Yeah. And so um, uh, I was a member of that. Uh, you guys welcomed me. Right after I was ordained, and so that's when I met him first. You know, I'd known mm-hmm. you obviously a little bit uh, as a, a new priest, and uh, so I met him at these International Federation of Priests gatherings, and so I got to know—I certainly got to see his uh, his personality and his his calm nature, at least as I perceived it. I didn't see the competitive side, but the calm, you know, and the gentle nature. And I remember this was years ago, and I don't—I'm sure you remember this because I've brought it up to you before. It's like this was long before he was our bishop. I said to you one time, I said, Joe, I said, why can't you be more like your brother? Do you remember what you said to me? You said, I think I said, why can't you be more like yeah, my brother? Yeah, you said, I don't know, Rich, why can't you be more like my brother? And I said, touche. That's a great comeback. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. So I have to tell you, uh, I can remember you asked about some other things that just occurred to me. I'll tell you when, when uh, he was an infant, and so... Uh, when my mother had gone into the hospital to uh, deliver him, uh, and those days they stayed a few days. So anyhow, when Dad and Mom came home, uh, we were being taken care of by babysitter, and it was in the, he was born in September, September 2nd. So it was in the fall, and the leaves are changing and so on. But we were in the backyard at the picnic table, and the babysitter had made us some hot dogs. And so we were eating hot dogs. I can remember this. I was five years old, and uh, Mom and Dad came out got out of the car and mom was holding him he was wrapped up in a blanket we all went over and looked at him and then we went back to eating our hot dogs <laughs> <laughs> okay 
That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm important matters. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story. Um, what else? I mean, I mean, what are some? You know, again, I, I like I like to hear you know your perspective as and you did you know I have to say you did do a, a great job. It did get noticed in that you weren't involved in in a lot of things or in anything really from the diocesan side of things when he was the bishop. And I, and well, I next year. Yeah, exactly. I'm just talking about in general. But yeah, 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 exactly, right? The holy terror is back. <laughs> but now here's a well, here's a question. Did now you've been in Hinkley for a while, so he didn't assign you there, did he? He did assign me here, yeah. This oh, he is did. one of the first assignments. Oh, and there's another funny story. So uh when he was first ordained uh bishop, uh let's see, we were at the cathedral I think the day after, uh and my mother was up there and our family was up there of course. And I told him, I, to, I, I said in front of my mother, I said, uh, or actually to my mother, but in front of him, I said, Mom, you know, and mother lived down in the cities. Uh, for those of you that aren't from the area of the cities, uh, if you're from Minnesota, you just refer to the cities. That's Minneapolis and St. Paul in the suburbs. So that's, that's, uh, that's just a Minnesota thing. And so I'm up in, let's see, I was up in Longville at that time. And I was uh, getting ready for a move, and I said, Mom, you know, um, he can assign me to International Falls. And, of course, that was have been a six-hour drive from the cities. And my mother looked at him, and, he, and she said to him, and she's only 5'3", and she was already in her late 70s at that point. And uh, she said, you better not. <laughs> and, and my brother, uh, dressed in his Episcopal robes, took a step back. So it was really pretty funny. It's like when she said, "You better not." It was like she has spoken, and, and uh, <laughs> this is not going to be permitted. No, well, I remember. So if anybody I, was, if anybody was pulling strings, it would have been my mother. So I always, well, remember, I, that I always was, said, "Yeah." I always said when 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 people would ask me how I got along, I'd say. I don't have a thing to worry about. If he gives me any trouble, I just talk to mom. Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> you brought that up at the, I remember the welcoming uh, gathering. At, I think it was at the Holiday Inn in Duluth here. It was the welcoming uh, reception for the priest and stuff with him. And you got up and you said, if he does anything I don't like, I'm just going to go and call mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's yep. the best way to handle it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Exactly. It's like, like, like the queen mother. Basically. That's a, absolutely, yeah. In a way, in a way exactly. she had more authority than even the bishop did in Duluth. Yeah, but she never used it unwisely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Surprise! You got Hinkley, like almost the closest assignment to the Twin Cities. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is um, uh, and so you know, I mean, uh, um, obviously the uh, you know we're on the the year anniversary of of his death, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. We we've got a break coming up here shortly. We can talk more about that um, a little bit later on in the hour. But we're, we've been talking to Father Joe Serba, uh, who is uh, the older brother of Bishop Paul Serba, who died one year ago today. And we've been talking about learning um, a little bit about Bishop Serba, maybe some of the things that we didn't know. I certainly didn't know the competitive side of him. And, and uh, hearing some good stories. And we'll continue to, to hear these uh, stories and then talk a little bit about, like uh, like I had said, about how Father Serba heard about the death of his, of his brother uh, a year ago today. But we'll... We'll continue this conversation and uh, much more after this break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. If you have lost anyone to a sudden or tragic death, you can still help them. Please visit our website, suicideandhope.com, and memorialize those that you love. There is no obligation or cost. You can simply enter their first name, initials, or a nickname, and I will personally pray for them and have a Mass said each month. Please, again, visit suicideandhope.com. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Richard Kuntz. I love how that uh, that introductory voice says uplifting and inspiring stories. And we're talking to Father Joe Service. So I don't know if we're getting a lot of that. Father Joe Service is actually a priest of our diocese, He's a really good friend of mine. Uh, and, uh, and I was just giving you a hard time there. Joe. Yeah, you were, and you forgot me. <laughs> oh well, yeah, well, yeah. You're always, Cindy. You're always uplifting and, and joy filled. So, he was so determined and, inspir- to get and inspiring. Right. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that when a, a, a priest, you know, especially when a bishop first comes to the diocese, which we're still waiting in our diocese of Duluth here, hopefully very, very soon, is that we often wonder what you know, what's our, what's the mind, what's the opinion, what's what's our new bishop like in his opinions and his thoughts of the church, and how is he going to envision himself as being our shepherd and maybe you can speak a little bit to what you know maybe as a brother you know what your what your brother you have an insight that nobody else would have other than mm-hmm. family members of what was the mindset of uh, of bishop serba in regards to the church and maybe his role in it sure so you know we grew up in a, a faith-filled home and so he was a catholic through and through it was never a case that he i think doubted his faith in any way and he was also one who strove for personal holiness. You know, before he was uh, made bishop, he had been the spiritual director at St. John Vianney Seminary and then later on at St. Paul Seminary. And so he was actually guiding the seminarians who would be the future priests in the, here in the upper Midwest on how to uh, pursue a deeper relationship with the Lord, not only as they were studying in the seminary, but also throughout their lives as they were serving the Church as, as Christ's priest. So there was a real desire, I think, in his life to continue to grow in holiness, for one thing. And part of that, I would say, includes a love for the truth. And, of course, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. And he told Pontius Pilate that he had come to bear witness to the truth. And I think that was one of the things that animated his his uh, work as a, as a pastor in the Church and later on as the chief shepherd pastor of the diocese that the truth be proclaimed about Jesus Christ and all of his teachings. So even the difficult teachings that the Church has, which are true, uh, he did not back away from. And he would present them in, in a way that was perhaps uh, uh, firm at some times, but, but gentle at the same time, firm in the sense that there was not compromising with the truth. Uh, an example I would give is, is uh, his interest in uh, courage, which is an outreach to people with same-sex attraction. And so he promoted that as a 
means to assist people and help them in that area uh, of their lives so that, that people who struggle with that uh, would also be able to grow in holiness and recognize that they were loved by the Lord. And he didn't compromise with the, you know, the culture uh, that offered people false hope, if you will, and uh, was, were willing to affirm people who were not living you know, Christian lifestyles. So there would be an example, I think, of his love for the truth and, and how he realized the truth would set you free. And uh, very countercultural, but yet at the same time, you know, in many ways Jesus was as well. Yeah, I remember him being, being very active in regards to the, when it was up in Minnesota, in regards to the, you know, the referendum or whatever you want to call it, in regards mm-hmm. to the gay marriage thing. Right. I remember, I remember him saying in a, just in a, a private conversation, he said that he envisioned this as the fight of our lives. You know, this is what's going to be with us for mm-hmm. the entirety of our lives. And now culture has kind of moved on. It's like, yeah, well, it's just a given now, but the church doesn't, right. you know, and so, no. uh, and so, you know, the church still speaks to the truth and, and, as culture accepts it more and more as a given, uh, it, it becomes more and more of a lightning rod uh, when the church speaks to it. And you know, yeah. I will, and I will say this is that you're you're right. I mean, in regards to your brother's his gentle nature, you could never he would never come across anybody could ever say, well, he's being mean about this. Because a lot of people is like, well, they get emotional about something. It's like nobody could ever peg Bishop Serb as being mean about you know teaching the truth of the church. No. He was good friends with Bishop Peter, who was in uh, Superior, Wisconsin, as the bishop there. And so uh, you had Peter and Paul right across the yeah. river from each other. And that it was a lifelong friendship. I know Bishop uh, Peter Christensen uh, is now in Boise, Idaho. He's transferred there. And he had said when he had come to Bishop Paul's funeral, he had said that this is a friendship of 40 years. And he said, I don't have the time in my life to ever recreate a friendship that we had, a deep friendship, and they uh, they supported each other. I remember him telling me one time when he had discussed something with Bishop Peter, uh, occasionally people would come complaining about one teaching or another or something the church taught that they didn't agree with, and they would and Bishop Peter would listen to them. This is a favorite story of mine, too. And, and uh, then after they got all done complaining and, and uh, criticizing and so on and saying that they weren't going to live as as uh, the church taught that they were going to live, you know, as our culture maybe would affirm them. He would then quietly at the end of their their speech or whatever say, so how's that working out for you? Mm -hmm. And of course, it wasn't usually working out very well. Right. And uh, that was a story that that Bishop Paula had uh, told me about Bishop Peter's response. And he kind of liked that response. How's that working out for you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because it's not going to be working out well if you uh, no. walk away from you know the truth. That's obviously. right. It never does. No. What's your? Um, uh, I mean, again, it, we, I think a lot of listeners like to hear stories. Uh, you know, maybe another story about um, uh, if you have a favorite story about when he was your bishop. You know, I mean, there's been many times where we would get either ordinations or chrism masses or something like that. That mm-hmm. in the homily, um, uh, Bishop Server would say something that was very funny and it was always about you. And so, or some sort of a comment. Well, I don't know like, if I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe speak a little oh, bit to that. Yeah, it was. I mean, he had he had an un, in, he had an incredible sense of humor in the timing. And the one the well, one the line that I liked the most is like right when he got named bishop. I think it was at the evening prayer before he was ordained, where he said he realizes that the good people of Duluth have been praying long and hard for a bishop, and he wondered out loud that. I wonder who they would have gotten if they prayed just a little bit harder. 
<laughs> I remember that line. He, he just delivered it very, very well. Yep. So here's here's something if you're looking for a little bit of humor. Uh, again, I guess, you know, people don't know me. A lot of people on the radio probably don't know me. Some of the Diocese of Duluth do. But uh, sometimes I, I oh, I think to, you're, I think you're, I think you're more well known than you think. <laughs> well, I tend to do things my way at times. Yes. And uh, one time, although I always try to be obedient to the church, so I want to say that. Right. Right. Of course. Of course. But right. but uh, one time, someone was talking to the bishop and had reported to him something I had done, and he apparently looked at the ground and looked back at the person and then he said yep that's my brother yeah <laughs> yeah so i was just uh well i can't do anything with him so yeah well i remember and i can't remember the, the now i'm a little bit foggy on this but it was this was um uh, again when he was named but he wasn't here and somebody had uh, uh maybe had had a run-in with your uh um um what's the word bullheadedness and they wait, were, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Uh, I'm just saying that I'm just saying theoretically this might have happened. And so somebody okay. somebody was concerned. It's like, oh, no, is this going to be like Father Serva? And that's when I told the story about can't you be more like your brother? I said, yeah, don't worry. Yeah. He's his own man. They're brothers, he but is, they're, ve- yeah. they're very, very different from one another. Mm-hmm. Which, yes. We used to joke sometimes. I would say he was adopted or I was adopted. Yeah, exactly. Your mannerisms... Almost couldn't be further apart, and that's not necessarily saying a bad thing about you, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> no, you know, some good. of the good things uh, he um, he invited uh, religious order, a new religious order yeah. that's active in in the Holy Family Parish and into the diocese uh, sisters, and they're really great ladies and. Wonderful spirit. Uh, you know, there was a lot of work he did with vocations. Um, as I say, we've got a lot of young priests in the diocese. Uh, he went to World Youth Days. <clears throat> he was always going to World Youth Days. And, uh, and so, pardon me? No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. About the yeah. World Youth Days? Yeah, so so he went to all kinds of different World Youth Days and brought young people from the diocese to those so that they could see the Pope and see the Church from a different perspective, uh, not just from the local area here, but to realize that there are Catholics all over the world, all different races and peoples and nations and languages. And, and so I think that was a great thing, uh, the richness that the young people in our diocese were able to experience by attending those things. Uh, the World Youth Days was uh, was really a benefit to our diocese as well. <clears throat> yes, and uh, just a story of my own um, about Bishop Serba. My, I, he was very good friends with Mary Lou and Lynn Jennings, which was my husband's parents. He passed, my husband passed away from cancer, but I think mm-hmm. I just, I remember meeting him and him remembering everything about me. And this is before George got sick, but he just knew mm-hmm. everything about my family. He knew everything about me. And it just was weird for me to see someone that was like at my level with me. You know, you just think of a bishop being so high up, not that that's, I mean, that's how you respect, you respect them, you know, and their, what they do, but he just kind of, his humbleness stood out to me and he was just always so kind and loving to me. And I just, I'm, I'm just going to miss that. And it just feels mm-hmm. like it, it was just, it was just <clears throat> too sudden. And, um, I just, this is a little bit off topic, but what do you have? A, like, do you know his favorite book that he liked to read? And did your favorite a, book. 
And your favorite book, and it oh. can't be your book. Can't be your book mm-hmm. that you wrote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't know. I can't really answer that question about what his favorite books would be. Uh, he, he was well read. Uh, he continued to to read throughout uh, his episcopacy, even busy as he was. So he tried to keep informed and so on. I think. Uh, Probably the the things that that uh, he focused on a lot of times were the spiritual writings, Saint Teresa of Avila, and, and so on. The interior castle; those are those are things that he had on his shelf. But he was also uh, well read in, in in other things, uh, history and in uh, the Upper Midwest, Minnesota. Uh, uh, those are those are things that that he also had on his shelf. Uh, so, as far as as far as uh, his reading go, I think he kept up uh, and tried to uh, continue to be informed in the life of the church and and what he needed to know as as a, as a bishop. Yeah. Good. One of the one of the things that um, uh, um, I, we just got a couple minutes before our next break is that uh, I just want to say that uh, the memory I guess I have of him that is that was um, uh, that maybe spoke the most to me is. How and I, you, this is almost cliche. You hear it a lot when people talk about him. Is that that when you were talking to him, nobody else mattered. It's like mm-hmm. you know he was so focused in on the conversation that it's like it truly was. It it really was one of those experiences. Like he's giving his full, complete attention to you, and that was that's unique. That doesn't happen with a lot of mm-hmm. another thing. It's true. Another thing about him was that I I always felt a little awkward giving him the sign of peace. So I always felt like he was like he saw something in me. It's like, oh no, am I in trouble? It's like he he had he had, he had this, these absolutely like piercing eyes. It's like he saw something that I didn't want him to see. That's what it seemed like. It's like at the sign of peace, he was like it was it was a continuation of that focus on you in a conversation. When he gave you the sign of peace, he meant it. This was not this was not an empty gesture. It's like he focused right. in on you and he really meant oh peace. It's like sometimes it's like maybe I felt a little like, uncomfortable with that. Not that I was doing anything wrong. I agree, and and that that was just, I think, a recognition on his part, you know, in, in his spiritual life that there were brothers and sisters in the Lord, and and he was really greeting his brother or his sister in Christ uh, when he spoke to people, and he did have a great memory too. He was the salutatorian at his high school, so that he was the second highest in academic standing in the school, and. That is also something that that uh, helped him. I'm sure the innate intelligence that God gave him, uh, and he used that. Yeah, he, he used that for uh, his work as well in the church to serve the Lord. So, we're talking to Father Joe Serba about Bishop Paul Serba of the Diocese of Duluth, and we'll continue this conversation right after this break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Radio will host Dr. Ray Garendi as keynote speaker of our virtual fundraising banquet on Thursday, December 10th. We hope you can join us. Dr. Ray speaks on many topics concerning the Catholic faith, apologetics, and family life. He is host of The Doctor Is In, which can be heard weekdays on RPR. For more information or to register, go to realpresenceradio.com slash banquet or contact Jessica at 877-795-0122. 
Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Father Richard Kunst, and I'm with Cindy Jennings, and we are the co-hosts of Real Presence Live, Duluth Edition. And uh, today, is uh, it's appropriate that the uh, Duluth um, uh, edition of Real Presence Live is today, January, uh, December 1st, which is the one-year anniversary of the death of our, the unexpected death of our beloved bishop, Bishop Paul Serban. Uh, so it's hard to believe it was a year ago today, and um, uh, this is why we have his brother, Father Joe Serba, on the air with us. Um, uh, Father Joe, again, it's good having you on the air, and you know, we've talked a lot about, um, uh, you know, I mean, life uh, growing up uh, with him and then his being your bishop. Uh, maybe walk us through a little bit about what what was going on a year ago today and how um, uh, how you how you lived through that day. Uh, and we had a little conversation that evening, <clears throat> talked about some things about what we're going to be doing on Friday. I said, I'm going back to the parish because I have... Uh, evening mass and then uh, we actually hung up some of the uh, christmas lights for decorating our house on the outside and put up the nativity scene that we've been putting up my dad made that back in 1959 so it's been in front of our house in bloomington for 60 years so we put that up and then i drove back to my parish and he was planning to drive back to duluth on saturday morning which he did and then of course we had that big snowstorm which I think started on Saturday evening. And uh, Father Bissonette, I think, was the pastor of uh, Proctor. And yeah. he, which which parish did he live in? Was that St. Saint, Raphael's Saint, up there? Uh, Your brother is living at St. Rose. No, but, and, but my brother uh, was living at St. Rose. But Father Jim was at St. Raphael's. Think, yeah, but he was assigned also to take care of St. Rose, and he couldn't get to the parish because of the snowstorm, and so... Uh, he had called the bishop, and the bishop said, well, I can take the early Mass because he was at the rectory there at St. Rose. I don't know what his plans were for that Sunday, but he was going to take care of the Mass and say the first Mass at St. Rose for the uh, for the people there. And So uh, he got out to go to the church, and that's where he had the uh, cardiac arrest and collapsed in the parking lot. And so then... People were the guys who were plowing the lot. I went over and tried to do CPR with him. They called the ambulance, but he was pretty much dead right there. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably died right there. And uh, cardiac arrest is different from a heart attack. I learned all of this because my sister is a nurse, so he had something called a third degree heart block, I believe is what it was called. And the uh, the heart attack heart attack is where there's a blockage, and the um, the uh, uh, that's not what he had. He had a he had this uh, this thing where the electrical system basically just shuts down, and so there's no way you could do anything. CPR wouldn't work or anything. They did take him to the hospital. They got him there by ambulance, and 
Brother John Petrich, uh, who is the chaplain of the hospital, was able to get over to anoint him and give him the last sacraments. So it was very quick, very sudden, and uh, of course a shock to everybody in the diocese. I know that Father Bissonette called me that morning. I just com- finished my 8.30 Sunday morning Mass, and when I got the call, and uh, I was on my way to my next parish uh, when when I received the call that my brother had died, or he actually said at that point he was in the hospital, but it doesn't look very good. And then he called back not a little, a little bit later on so that he had died. They declared him dead. So uh, it was quite a shock, and uh, of course I got to my next parish. My deacon and his wife were there, and and I said, when I got there, I said, the bishop has just died, and she just broke into tears. Uh, his wife, Nan- Deacon Nan- Jim Mostek's wife, Nancy, remember that? She just broke into tears when she heard that. So, mm-hmm. so it was a it was a tough time, a difficult day, obviously. And, and how'd you get through that? A good year. How'd you get through that Pardon? mass? You know, I mean, I mean. I mean, uh, for, uh, for for you, it's a different. I mean, we're all in the utter state of shock. Yeah, for you, right, it was a whole different <clears throat> level, a level unlike well, anybody we could ever experience. Because, like you said, nobody had their bishop as their brother. You know, no. Well, it was it was not easy, but you know, you have to do what you have to do. And so, uh, my people were coming for mass, and 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 uh, so it was better. I think that we had mass and prayed for him at that point and and uh then not to and so it was hard but um you know that's mm-hmm. i think you have to plow ahead you know right so. yeah it's um it's you know i mean it's 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 one thing to you know to i mean speaking as a priest now and i'm not even mm-hmm. in your realm it's one thing to i never experienced the loss of a bishop like that you know, I mean, mm-hmm. usually for us, anyhow, nor I, bishops, nor I. right, right. Our bishop, our bishops get moved. You know, in in the diocese yep. of Duluth, uh, but not uh, not to death. And so it's like, you know, there's. Well, he uh, was moved. He was just moved to a different place. Exactly. He got a yeah. Well, what was your line? He got a get out of jail free card. Well, there's another line that you said that you'd said to your mom or something like that that um, you stuck with your vocation, but he hadn't. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, that was, was that was just an inside joke. I would yeah, yeah, know yeah. That because. When he made, was, was made bishop. Uh, when we we're amongst other priests, and it, there's a there's two sides to it. Obviously, you know, it's in some ways it's the the dark side of that that over the course of the years, especially when I was a young priest, there were many priests who had been ordained who left the priesthood, right? And so um, they left their vocation, and so I turned that around though because I I would say that uh, both of us had been ordained priests, but I was the only one that, of the two. I was the only one of the two that was still a priest. So I, I would say sometimes to other priests, I said, I'm the only one that's persevered in my vocation. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, because you got a different vocation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, and, of course, the theology is that the, that the bishop has the fullness, the fullness. of the priesthood. Whereas right, the, right. Yeah, where, where priests are, are extensions of the bishop's work in ministry. So. Yeah. Um, your mom is still alive, right? That's correct, yeah. How, mm-hmm. How's she She's doing? Nice. She'll be 97 in uh, oh in January. Goodness. Her birthday is January 22nd. Amazing. And so she's still uh, able to carry on a conversation, uh, a shorter conversation. She knows what's going on. She's aware of, of everybody, and, and uh, oftentimes I will call her and say, you know, how's somebody doing? How's my sister doing, for example? And she'll say, well, she has to work this week on these days or something, and so she can't come over. But... Uh, so mom still has her faculties about her, 
but she's very feeble. Uh, mm-hmm. She's actually my brother John's house now. When the COVID thing started, we actually took her out of the nursing home because, uh, as my and my sister said, she's wilting. You know, she no one could see her, and so last May we we took her out, and she's living at my brother John's house, and yeah. he's taking care of her, and and we have some people that come in to help as well. But uh, so thanks for asking about her. She's uh, she's still plugging along. Yeah, and I mean, her, um, obviously, the heartbreak for a mom to lose a child, you know. Tremendous, yeah. Yeah, yeah that that was a great grief for her. I, I know there was a picture that they took in the Duluth News Tribune that was published there, and uh, my brother John is next to her, kind of, you know, his head is close to her, and she's at Mass, she's in a wheelchair, and, of course, during the funeral, so it was a very difficult time for her, and still is, obviously. I don't mm-hmm. think there's... And I'm sure you've experienced this too, Father Rich, is, is when we've had to have a funeral for somebody whose child has died, uh, it's out of the normal course. You know, I always mm-hmm. say it's unnatural because yeah. parents always expect that their children, that they will outlive their children. And yeah. so it's a great heartache when, when parents lose a child, uh, probably, the, probably the greatest pain in, right. for most people in, in a funeral situation. Father Joe, we have about 35 seconds left. Is there any last thoughts you want to leave with the listeners? Uh, Jesus is Lord. Look forward to his coming. Uh, Advent is a time where we're looking forward to anticipating Christmas. And it's a wonderful time. Celebrate Advent well and maintain uh, the Christmas season in your home. Don't throw your Christmas tree out on January 25th, uh, but keep it all the way up through the Epiphany and enjoy uh, the the blessings the Lord will give you. So how about that? That sounds great, but you said, January, you said January 25th, so I just want to correct you. January 6th, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. January, right. Well, <laughs> my mother would keep the Christmas tree up until her birthday, January 22nd. All the needles would fall off. Well, that's a little oh. dangerous, but I like that idea. <laughs> Father Joe, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure, my pleasure. You've been a great guest, and uh, thank you for the memories and the thoughts of Bishop You're very Schroeder. welcome. God bless to everybody. All right, God bless. All right, well, um, uh, how about that, Cindy? Hour flew by. Yeah, the hour my flew goodness. by. And uh, um, uh, we have to talk about what the next show is, and we'll bring Therese back on for that. Thank you, Father. On the next Real Presence Live, that's Wednesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, hosts Heather Caro and Joe Rutten will be coming to you live from the, uh, from the Mustard Seed Catholic Store in Sioux Falls. Who are we celebrating on the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception? They'll discuss this with Monsignor Charles Mangan from the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Then it's a nationally acclaimed Christmas celebration. Tune in to learn more. And join us for the Honor Our Fathers to find out who will win donuts this week. All that and much more will be coming up on the next Real Presence Live, Wednesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. I've won donuts once. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. Can, Can we win them again? Um, I'm not sure. I'll have to check the rules and see. Oh, so you don't know the rules? Nope. So the thing is that I don't like donuts. So it's like I won these donuts, and it's like my staff ate them. I never had one. <laughs> oh, I love donuts. It's my well, oof, man. Love them. All right. Well, thanks, Therese. It sounds yeah. like a good number of shows coming up. So, uh, Cindy, what did yes. you think of that show? What What are your thoughts? It was fantastic. I love that we got to celebrate Every, you know, we got to celebrate with his brother and talk about Bishop Serba. I just, I have such a heart for that guy. I just love him. 
And um, I just don't, he's not going to be easy to replace. Yeah. I don't even, I just wish he was still here. Yeah. Every, you know, I mean, every bishop, as you see in every pastor, they have a different charism and there's a different thing of their, their ministry that comes out and their strengths or whatever in a, in a parish. You see that in pastor. We certainly see that in a bishop as well. And so we have full confidence in the Holy Spirit that uh, when the diocese, when when the Diocese of Duluth gets a bishop, that it will be the right bishop. And so I just want to close with a blessing on all of our listeners. Thank you for for tuning in, and may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And may these weeks of Advent be truly holy and blessed for you. God bless everyone. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.